You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Nathan Long. I'm once again joined today by Tyler Viso. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Just got back from the happiest place on earth. <laughs> so I'm feeling pretty good. How was the beach? It was good. Just did a whole lot of nothing. So how's, that was pretty good. How's the sunburns? I'm good. It's just burnt because I don't use sunscreen right. Go get that aloe vera. Yeah. That, that stuff works miracles. It's so I've heard. <laughs> You never used aloe? No, nah, I don't really use it. I just it'll tan out. It's oh, fine. Love aloe. I'm a grown man, it's fine. I'm good. I don't need that. All right. Well, today we're gonna. This is gonna be kind of a general LSU pod, um, where we talk about a bunch of LSU related stuff. Uh, specifically, LSU's new uh, head baseball coach, which is probably the biggest news. Uh, Darius Days has returned to LSU basketball, and some LSU athletes qualifying for the Olympics. Uh, we will start with. Um, probably the biggest news, which was LSU's found their replacement for Pulmonary. Um, after a search that included names like Mike Bianco of Ole Miss, Tony Vitello of Tennessee, Cliff Godwin of East Carolina, Link Jarrett of Notre Dame, and many others, the LSU brass finally settled on Jay Johnson of Arizona. Before we talk about his track record and his credentials, what was kind of your initial reaction to the hire? See, okay, so when I first kind of saw the hire kind of looked at it sideways and then I looked at like this, his kind of track record of what he's done at his previous places and I was really happy about the hire because guys like Mike Bian- uh, Mike Bianco he's kind of older but like he's a young guy he's 40 he's 40 something years old mm-hmm. and he's a young guy who can definitely coach for the next 20 years which really excites me about like building a program because you don't want to hire somebody old and so overall I would say I'm excited for the future right now um, I'm. I was very happy when I saw the news. I think I was in the line at test track at Epcot when, <laughs> when I got the update. Um, it was one of the names I had heard multiple times, and as the weeks went on, him and Cliff Godwin kind of became my favorite from East Carolina. Yeah. Um, you know, the the super regional really soured me on Vitello because I looked at him as like this is how his team acts. This is how this is the culture he builds, and I looked at that and went, I don't really want that. Uh, and Mike Bianco, I like a lot, but it just didn't seem right with his age. You know, he's getting older. So I, I, I eventually settled it down to those two. I didn't know much about Link Jarrett, but it would have been funny to steal another coach from Notre Dame uh, because that's what we did with Paul. Um, but uh, as for his credentials, he served as head coach at Arizona since 2016 in his six seasons with the Wildcat. Uh, Johnson finished with a record of 208 one, uh, to 114 and 82 and 67 in the conference, which is probably second best in the country, the Pac-12 for baseball. Uh, and he has gone to the College World Series two times in the five possible seasons because of the COVID season and was the runner-up in his first year in 2016. He lost to the same team that LSU did that le- the, uh, that year, Coastal Carolina. Um, do you believe he has the qualifications? I've laid them out to you to be the next Tiger head coach. Oh yeah, I think that overall, going back to what you said about like Vitello and them, I agree because I think Vitello was acting and his team was acting like children, mm-hmm. like playing t-ball. It just they looked they looked ridiculous at all times, and I thought Bianco was old too. I just think that uh, this this felt like a really big hire overall because I didn't really till I saw his records and what he had done at Arizona even at really at San Diego when he was there he was a good coach you know you know he was uh, I read this somewhere that he was 
one of the guys uh, who was coaching Chris Bryant before he got drafted. Really? Yeah, at San Diego. Go Cubs. Straight up. And so he, I mean, this guy is a proven hitting coach. And I read a bunch of stuff about him, about all the times he's fixed and, like, his diligence and his records really show it. And I think he should also be extremely happy that he inherited a program with such a pedigree of recruiting and winning Mm -hmm. that he can not have to rebuild a program. He can reload this thing, get a couple more guys, coach them up, boom. I mean, you can go to Omaha next year if you wanted to. It feels like a match made in heaven with the staff we have now in in terms of Dylan Cruz and, and Trey Morgan and a couple others because his team slugged the ball. They hit like crazy. They're one of the best in the country every year. Um, and he's inheriting an offense that have two of the greatest freshman hitters we've ever seen. Yeah. So I was at the press conference yesterday, and he said the two things he wanted was he wanted he wanted aggressiveness at the plate and he wanted strike zone discipline, which is two things that I really like to hear. Like everything mm-hmm. he said at the press conference yesterday, I loved. I was so hyped about it. He I was, was great. So happy. He did, he gave a great press conference. And the one thing that I could tell you right now that really the, just him saying strike zone discipline got me so happy because think about all the times LSU, even in that, you remember the first Gonzaga game, that guy, he threw kind of funny and his sinker wouldn't sink. It would go, it would go outside and they kept pulling and swinging at it. So They'd be ahead of it. They'd be above it. They just wouldn't make contact with it. Yeah. And like they didn't have any discipline to take the ball and like, and you know, drive, look for your pitch and drive it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's really going to fix that problem. And I that, mean, yeah, that, the only the only person on this team I think has the be- some of the best, great di- plate discipline, but some of the best I've ever seen is Dylan Cruz. I mean, he doesn't strike out very much. Yeah, and he puts contact on the ball, and that's what that's like the name of the game. Because you sit there and looking at strikeouts, you just you look crazy. And him and Trey Morgan had such good discipline that it really makes me look forward to what he could even fix for those guys. Because he's gonna he, there's things you can fix in everybody, especially mm-hmm. in college. There's a reason you went to college and not straight to the pros. You don't have everything figured out. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's going to fix a lot of this team's problems with the batting, and I think that's going to be awesome. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, how important is that he brings good assistance with him? He okay, so he's like a purebred hitting coach. So he doesn't need really a hitting coach. Mm-hmm. That guy's gonna solve all your hitting problems. But what he does need is a home run of a pitching hire because he's not a great pitching guy, or so I've seen. His pitchers, his pitchers did good enough, but he was more or less banking on the offense, not the defense, in terms of pitching. So I think that, and then I think fielding, fielding's kind of like a mental game. I mean, you yeah. can you can you can fix that anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's a head coach. So I think that a pitching coach is going to be the thing we look forward in the next couple of weeks of like who does he hire and what's that guy going to bring in. No, I mean that's that's my same philosophy here. The pitching coach is so important. Um, with a guy, I mean, look, we we dealt with a guy who had trouble with pitching for a decade and a half, especially yeah. especially with you know knowing when to pull said pitchers. But yeah, I think a pitching coach is so important for this team. I mean. You can score ten times, but if the team's the other team scores eleven, yeah, you if your pitchers can't get strikeouts and they're they're walking people, which is a problem that we had early in the season. We kept walking guys, getting people on base, giving people freebies, and our bullpen was killing us. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that. If you can limit that problem and you can hit the ball as good as those Arizona teams did, I mean, you're you're a top notch team. You were right back exactly in the Bregman years when you were winning fifty something games. You'd only lose like nine, and then you sweep Omaha, and then or you wouldn't sweep Omaha. You sweep Hoover, and you go to Omaha, and you just call it a day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
anybody else you would have preferred over Jay Johnson in particular? I don't. I mean, Tim Corbin. I guess I don't know. I don't. I think that there was nobody. There was nobody available that I would like. I liked a bunch of guys, and I think that LSU had the right mindset of who they were looking for, and I think they honestly made the best decision for them because mm-hmm. they needed a young guy could help the hitters, help develop players, make them better as they as years progress. And that's kind of one thing that pulmonary with age didn't really do too great, was he couldn't develop guys to get better. He kind of just took you for your face value and said, okay, you're good at this, you're only going to do that, and then we're going to piece it together that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is an inter- interesting question. How would you judge his success this upcoming year? Like, what is a successful season for first-year head coach Jay Johnson? Honestly... His, I would, I would consider a success is just host a regional. Don't you? That sounds fair. I don't. I'm not giving this guy. I'm not telling him to go to Omaha because the good news is, is that Trey Morgan, D- Dylan Cruz, and all of them, Jordan Thompson are sophomores. So you're guaranteed another year with them. You need to do something with that talent though. But I think you host a regional next year, win a couple games in Hoover, guarantee yourself a spot. I'd be happy. Be a top 16 team in the country, essentially. Yeah, just don't, just you know, don't tank the program. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 hard to go anywhere but up, right? No, you you can still go down. You, I mean, we made a regional barely, but you can not make a regional, That's and you fair. can not make Hoover like Texas A&M did, who just nabbed uh, Nolan Kane. Mm-hmm. So you could do one of those things. Yeah, no, we've seen that a lot so far. Is a lot of people leaving, you know, assistance specifically with LSU. That was to be expected. Are yeah. you worried about players possibly jumping ship, like leaving the leaving to the pros early or transferring? I really think that okay, the whole transfer portal is big and college sports nowadays so I think you're going to get a couple guys that's fine but I think the main core if you go and talk to him I think that guy is going to figure you out fast and he's going to tell you what to fix how he's going to fix it for you and how you're going to be better henceforth Mm -hmm. and I think that like anybody that sits down and talks with that guy just after listening to him talk could tell you that this guy isn't just a guy to tell you your problems and then say hey you go figure him out he's going to sit there with you all night until you get it right, and then he's going to make sure you keep doing it right, and he's going to be on you, and you're going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it until you're perfect. Yep. Well, I guess that's all we – I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about? I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think that um, if he could turn Alex Malazzo into a hitter, that would be <sighs> successful. <laughs> I would – he doesn't even have to be a hitter. He just needs to bat like two – 40 and I'll be <laughs> bat 240 ab- bat above your weight and I think yeah <laughs> call that a successful season yeah that's exactly <laughs> I mean because look his defense top five defensive catcher in the country he he's absurd on defense he has a great arm he, he doesn't like balls get by him I mean we saw what happens when they put in on people like Wyeth I mean oh, yeah. wild pitch central yeah we just everything would go by you felt like a screen door. and look for a catcher it, I in my opinion it is more important for you to be better defensively than it is offensively but you can't not like you can't be so bad that I could hit pick up a bat and go hit better than you. Yeah, like just like he was better off laying down bunts and getting out just for be like, oh, you made contact. Yeah, I mean, like, like you were better off that move way. the guy up to second. Good job. Yeah, That's all like, we need. You to do. Yeah, and he he couldn't really do that right. So yeah. overall, I'm just saying that at the end of the day, I think uh, I think you get a win here if Alex Malzahn gets a hit. I think that's I think that's the gauge for a successful season next yep. year. Who cares if we lose? If he's hitting 240, success. That's Great a win. Season. Great season. Um, I guess we'll move on to the College World Series. Um, how how much of it have you watched? I watched a good bit of it. I've watched as many as I could, but I was in Disney World, so I didn't watch every game. Um, we should probably briefly talk about the College World Series. Uh, Vanderbilt with an asterisk. Don't ever forget that. 
and Mississippi State are playing in the College World Series final. D- Vandy uh, dominated game one. Who do you expect to win? I think that there's no justice, and I think Vanderbilt's going to win in that way. Yeah, and I think and they'll, they'll, probably, no they'll probably be winners before this is even posted. Whatever, that's fine. Yeah. There's just no justice, and I think that's just unfair, but whatever. Yeah, so I guess that's where we'll jump right into what happened with NC State. Uh, before NC State was set to take on Vandy, some of their players tested positive for the coronavirus, and because of that, the Wolfpack were forced to play with only it's thirteen players. I think it was thirteen, yeah, it was 13. F- four pitchers, nine fielders. Yep, that's all. They didn't have it. They, I think they didn't have anybody in the dugout in that game. That's they had all, their guys in the yeah, bullpen, the guys bullpen. on the field. That was it. Whoever their starter pitcher was was probably sitting on, in that dugout, real lonely. Yeah, after he was done. Um, NC State played their butts off. I mean, lost, they almost won. They almost lost, they lost three to one. They had the bases loaded. Yep. I mean, give me, don't get me wrong. NC State could have won that game, yeah. and that's why I think that's what makes me so angry is that they could have played the mm-hmm. next day, and I really like they could have played with the same thirteen guys, and you still might have won. Uh, yeah, and then it gets worse. Then in the middle of the night, so after they had lost, uh, the NCAA announced uh, that NC State would be forced to forfeit because the NCAA broke its own protocols and tested the vaccinated players, some of who who tested positive. Um, Let's say Vanderbilt wins, which I think they will because they're a better team than Mississippi State. Um, will they forever have an asterisk? Nobody's going to give them one, which is fine, whatever, because you have your own problems and COVID and whatnot. But I think that in, in my heart and where I know everything is true, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't deserve they don't deserve this. I think that you didn't play the required amount of games you had to to get to where you needed to be. Yeah. You had to beat NC State because Mississippi State won the game. They had to win. Yeah, and they, you got an unfair advantage on top. On top of that, you get an extra day off. Yeah, they had to pitch. They had to pitch a lighter last night. Mm-hmm. Like that's not that's not correct. No, it's just not fair. So uh, the whole thing's unfair to me. But it's just I don't understand it. Here's a question: uh, They played and uh, Vanderbilt played NC State, right? Um, and it turned out that a couple of their vaccinated players who did play in the game turned out to be testing or they tested positive, right? Which means they were on the field with Vanderbilt. Shouldn't, yeah. Van, shouldn't Vanderbilt be disqualified? That's what that's what I was thinking. They nobody nobody ever brought up anything about testing Vanderbilt. Nobody ever said a word about it. Nope. It was just like we got to kick NC State out. And I just don't understand that. At the end of the day, hundred and sixty something teams. I don't know how many teams play collegiate baseball, but they all vie for a spot in Omaha. So everybody plays for the same thing, and you were essentially at your final four. This is this is the height of baseball. Anybody can get there. I'm not saying that it's possible for everybody to get there with your percentages and whatnot and how your team is compared to others, but there is a statistical chance that you can get there. Coastal Carolina, look at exactly. that. Exactly. Who, who the hell is Coastal Carolina? And, oh and, wait, they're now national champions. That's and you who they go are. look at that, and so you couldn't you couldn't make. Uh, you couldn't help them and give them a couple days to figure out what they needed to figure out. You had to boot them out of the tournament. Yeah. Like, that just makes no sense that you couldn't accommodate them for anything. Mm-hmm. And then you just go and test vaccinated players and break your protocol to, like, you just, you basically handed them this series on a silver platter and said, hey, man, it's yours to lose. You get an extra day of rest. We kick the guys that already beat you out of the tournament. Like, boom, bam, bop. Here you go. Have the win. Don't care. It's I, not I, fair. I look at it and I look at NC State, who is most assuredly not a blue blood in baseball. But Vandy is. Do you think they would have done the same if the roles were reversed and this was Vanderbilt? Um, no. No. 100% Never. no. It's, and it was the fact that I thought NC State was a team of destiny because they had beat them once and I thought they could beat them again they one were, more time. Oh, come on. Yeah, they, they, they beat them 3-1 to one with like nobody. I mean, exactly. I mean, they lost 3-1 to one with nobody. They could have easily won. And that's what I'm saying. It's just like, and like you, you screwed them out of a chance to do this and mm-hmm. it's just not fair. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. And then you... you you're playing all this in a stadium 
filled to the brim with people with no masks on, like literally full. And then you're bragging about attendance on Twitter. Like, what are you doing, NCAA? Exactly. Oh, and then, oh, and then especially announcing it at like two in the morning their time. Cowards uh, move. I was I was awake because I was driving back from Disney and I couldn't sleep, and um, I saw that and I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Yeah, no, it's so unfair. All of it was unfair. I I think that because there should be justice in the world, that I think Vanderbilt deserves to lose. But um, I mean, last night they beat Mississippi State handily. Handily, there was close. seven runs in the first inning, right? Yeah, it was seven one in the first, and the final score ended up being eight to two. Yeah. So overall, there seems to be no justice. I would love to see Mississippi State serve it to them, but I don't know how it's going to look. Oh, I, I I don't like cheering for Mississippi State, but Mississippi State is essentially our NC State right oh, yeah. now because they're carrying on the dream. NC State's the people's champ. Everybody 100%. knows that people's yeah. champ. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we only have, there's only one, one really thing I want to talk about with the College World Series and how great was it to see Tennessee completely flounder? Oh yeah, it was awesome. Uh, to be fair, I want to see all the SEC teams lose, yes. and I didn't get that. But the one that I really did was I wanted to see Vitello and them lose. And what made it sweeter was watching their assistant get kicked out of the game, looking like a fool, yelling at the umpire, throwing binders. And then, he, like, maybe it was like maybe that he probably shouldn't have got thrown off for the game, whatever. But it was so much better to watch him get kicked out because mm-hmm. I loved it. I don't care. Like, you deserved it, so I don't care. Yeah, I mean, if that's the type of culture where the dude's, like, losing his mind, throwing binders that Vitello allows, then exactly. I'm glad he's not a head coach here. Yeah, you don't, act like a tra- you don't act like a child. That's fine. We don't no. want you here. We'll go get a guy who's actually acts like an adult and plays plays coach like he plays a coach. Like it's one thing to get kicked out. It's one thing to have a like a hissy fit. You know. Yeah, he's throwing binders and he was cursing him out. He, just, he was looking like a fool, and it just, he just didn't need to do that. That reminds me of earlier in the season when the UTSA coach got kicked out. And then that game ended up going for fourteen innings, so he was sitting in that in that clubhouse all for like day long, two and a half hours, three oh. hours. <laughs> I was there. I hated that game. That was miserable. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else you want to talk about College World Series? We can make fun of Texas if you want. Mm, Texas, uh, Texas, horns suckers. down doesn't matter. Horns down, baby. <laughs> Our Lord Jimmy Burrow has told us that. Yeah, Joe Burrow's father, horns down, baby. Um, I guess we'll move on from baseball because, I mean, that's 90% about what we talk about on this podcast during the I mean, summer. summer, that's all we got. That's all we got. Well, we actually got a little bit of LSU basketball news. Uh, we received some good news recently with forward Darius Days announcing on the Jordy Caldata show today, the day of recording, that he will be returning to LSU for this upcoming season, joining a, f- a team full of talented transfers and guards Xavier Pinson from Missouri, Adam Miller from Illinois, and uh, forward Tari Eason from Cincinnati. Furthermore, he'll be playing with a five-star freshman, Efton Reed, uh, at center, and has returnees, Moani Wilkinson, uh, Eric Gaines, and Sharif O'Neal. Um, how big is he returning? He's so big to return because he's such a leader. Because his team didn't have a leader. This did, no. Any, this guy, because, I mean, Eric Gaines and them... And Moani uh, Wilkerson and Trevo Neal weren't leaders. They were guys that came off the bench last year. And yeah, they know what they're doing, but like Darius Day is like, I mean, senior, knows what he's doing, and is going to like, will whip everybody into shape and is going to be a great guy to lead this team to wherever they end up. He was he was the heart and soul of this team last year, in my opinion. Engine. When he went on runs, we won the game. Oh, yeah. That's how he, it was, he was the engine that made this train go last year. I mean, we had four guys who scored all of our points last year. And if he was cold, though, we started losing leads. We started losing games, and like you can tell, and and you know he was one of the only people, really the only person of those four who could rebound. 
Yeah. So um, that makes me happy because one rebounding, is, allowing offensive rebounds is one of the most frustrating things ever to happen. It's like missing free throws. It just makes me so yeah. mad. <laughs> I agree. So right. mad. Like, you know, sometimes the ball gets tipped out, whatever, unlucky. But a lot of times last year they were just allowing terrible, oh, yeah. terrible, they would, terrible. They would, just, they would just get pushed around in the, in the mm-hmm. front court. It just didn't matter. And it was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So. Hopefully they'll fix these problems. I, I trust Will Wade with most things, so uh, he'll he'll figure it out. But I think Darius Day's coming back is huge for this team. Were you shocked by this moves? Because we you know we saw Seneca Knight, who we talked about on our earlier podcast, who transferred here from San Jose State, who's now transferring away, uh, and Josh Law also transferred. So were you surprised? At the we moves? had talked about it back in the day that there was only one guy we thought that was going to come back, and it was Darius Day's for sure. So I wasn't, like, necessarily shocked. I knew that he was the only guy that had a chance of coming back. And I personally thought that he wasn't really NBA-ready yet. Same. And I think he got his draft grade and saw, if I go back to college with the guys that we got back at LSU, we could be dominant. And we can, you know, we can disguise the limit with this team. They can be really good. Mm -hmm. So I think that overall he kind of got that. So I I saw it kind of coming. Yeah, I mean, looking over this roster, it— it doesn't have the star, you know, it had last year, and I think Cam Thomas, who was, I mean, he's going to be a top, probably a lottery pick, top 15 pick. Um, so you don't have that, but I just feel around, like, looking at this roster, it's all around so much better, because last year, four guys, and then nothing. <laughs> yeah, but I think that guys like Efton Reed and, um, who is it, Adam Miller. They could be stars. You never yeah, know. They can, like, that guy came out of Illinois. Like, he came out of a good basketball team that was the star of the show's worth. Ruined the t- my bracket. <laughs> <laughs> he was the two guys that, they were, like, the two guys at Illinois. They had those two guys yeah, that were amazing. I can't remember their names, but yeah. And those two guys were, like, the they were so much bigger that the, the plays ran around him, and he didn't really get the chance to shine like he could have. And I think him transferring kind of makes you think that. Like, I think that they're going to be so much better, and they're going to have more stars on this team because Sharif O'Neal, I think he's going to have a very big bounce-back season after having an injury. I think he'll be a key guy off the bench. I think Eric Gaines is also going to be another key guy off the bench. I think Mawani Wilkerson has a lot to work on, but has the potential to be really good. He needs to work on his shooting a little bit. But he could be a, a Darius Day's type. You could put him in when you need def- defense and rebounding. Just please, Lord, do not leave him on the court when we need points. Yeah. So overall, I mean, this team has the potential to be as good as anybody in the country, really. What is what is the starting lineup this year? Because I'll give mine. Ooh. I I have mine written. You got yours written? Yeah. So I've got too. Xavier Pinson, the transfer from Missouri. Uh, Adam Miller, uh, the transfer from Illinois. I have Darius Days, obviously. I have Tari Eason from Cincinnati. Um, and I also have Efton Reed. Yeah, okay, that's what I have. I mean, that that seems like the most logically sound lineup that you see right now. Obviously, things are going to change at camp. I could see Wilkinson season. maybe being your starting three and putting you know Darius at the four because he did play four basically always. But um, I mean, I just like the idea of a big lineup. So. I think I think that's probably going to be the starting lineup in game one. I think things are going to change. Depending on you know whatever happens, things are going to happen. Obviously, it's sports. So overall, it's going to be pretty interesting. But I think that that's going to be a um, that's going to be your original five. Yeah, I mean, it could be um, some of these freshmen that I'm just not very familiar with. Obviously, Efton Reed, but like you have Brandon Murray, who's from he's already enrolled. He's from IMG Academy in Florida. He's guard. Bradley Ezawiro, a center, um, three star from Virginia. And I thought there was one more. I could have swear there was Alex Fudge, I think was his name. Hmm. 
But um, yeah, no, it's um, it's gonna be interesting to see how this starting lineup really develops. I'm excited. I'm excited for basketball. Look, this is the first time in a while you're gonna look at all three sports and go, "Hey, man, we're like all three men's sports," and you go, "Hey, man, we got a chance at all three. Like LSU, we can win them." LSU football should be really good. We'll talk about that more starting in August, and then you know LSU baseball, an extra year of Dylan, you know Dylan Cruz and and Trey Morgan getting experience. I mean, if the pitching's okay, then you expect big things from them next year. And this basketball I mean, yeah. team is going to be good. Yeah. This basketball team is going well, to be good. Start, what are your expectations for this team? What oh, do you expect? I think I think um, they're definitely going to make the tournament. I think. I mean, that's yeah. I think they're. I mean, that's obvious. I think they'll go. I think they'll go pretty far. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to break. I think they're going to finally break the streak here. They're going to get themselves to. They're going to get out of the Sweet Sixteen because Will Wade hasn't been able to do that in a while. And then he's going to go Elite Eight, Final Four. He's going to, one of the two, depending on your seating and how you look. I think early season is going to matter more this year because you need to beat those like those weird out of conference teams. We always seem to lose to one of those every year. Exactly. I mean, it was VCU a couple years ago. Last year it was Saint Saint, Saint Louis. Louis. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So that's where it's going to matter this year because obviously it mattered so much in our seating this year because we got the eight seed. So we need to win those. Get a good seed. This team could go Elite Eight, Final Four easily. It got got the eight seed with quotes. We, well, yeah. we earned at least a six seed, but, you know, yeah, they didn't want us. It's because our out-of-conference wasn't good. So if you win those games and you get a good seed, I mean, when LSU was – I mean, when we were a three seed that year, we kind of got – we kind of didn't get in the right bracket. So we need some luck on the brackets. But and that's that's for every team though. You yeah. need some luck. With and these I think brackets. I think you're gonna I think you're at least gonna go to the Elite Eight, maybe Final Four, and then anything else. I think I mean the sky's the limit. This team's good enough to go anywhere. So let's say you have Xavier Pinson, Adam Miller, um, Darius Days, um, Tari Eason, and Efton Reed, your starting five, and then you have Monty Wilkinson, Eric Gaines, uh, Sharif O'Neal, um, and a couple others off the bench. Is that roster good enough to win a championship? Yes. Okay. Yeah, freshmen, so freshmen dominate this sport. Yep. College basketball is a freshman sport. You can, I mean, they were drafting guys out of high school, and that's the way the sport works. You can walk onto campus and be that guy. Mm-hmm. You never know easily. with Efton Reed. Like, Efton exactly. Reed could come here. I mean, Zion wasn't the highest rated guy in, he wasn't even the highest rated guy that went to Duke that year, you know, and then all of a sudden he was the biggest phenom we've ever seen. Yeah, so that's the thing. That could happen with Efton. You never know. Exactly. And, like, stars don't really matter. I mean, it's just like a rating system they give you. So it doesn't – I mean, those three stars can be good. It doesn't matter. This team with Will Wade – Justin Jefferson was a two-star. Don't ever forget it. That's the thing. But, like, you look at – um. Like Will Wade's a good coach, and he can make he'll he'll figure it out. I I got full faith in him. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to talk about LSU basketball? Nah, man, just that's a long time away, but I'm excited for it. I know I can't believe I have to wait until what it's December when the season starts or late November. It's okay, you can we have football, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, well, man, I'm excited <laughs> for football too. Yeah, um, t- talking about something I'm very excited about, probably the thing I'm most excited about this year. We finally get the Olympics. We were robbed last year of that and the greatest logo of all time. I don't know if you ever see the. Did you see the 2020 Tokyo Olympics logo initially? Yeah, it was the greatest logo of all time. It got ruined. Sad <laughs> day. Um, but uh, LSU will will have a presence there at in Tokyo. They have not one, not two, not three, but I believe four of their athletes representing the U.S. in the upcoming 2021 Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, firstly, we have Javon Harrison, who I love his nickname, uh, Mister Jumps. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a fun name. Um, he'll be heading to Tokyo after winning the high jump and the long jump. He will be the first person since Jim Thorpe to represent Team USA in both the long jump and the high jump. We just talked about it last week, you know, when we did our top 10 athletes of all time. 
Jim Thorpe was an honorable mention for both of us. Yeah. I mean, you only had like like four honorable mentions, and he was one of them. That yeah. should tell you all you need to know about like how good Jim Thorpe was. The thing about it is to be the first guy to do it since him. I mean, that's was, that was a pretty long span, and that I mean, this guy is good. I mean, if you watched, if you've ever seen any video of him doing like doing the high jump or the long jump, he is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's absurd. And I mean to be in the same category as Jim Thorpe in anything is impressive. Is extremely impressive. Um, the greatest athlete of his era. Um, so I did some research on him. He has six NCAA titles and two U.S. titles, and some have called him the greatest jumper in NCAA history. This dude is awesome. Oh yeah, he's good. You know, he used to be uh, roommates with Mondo Duplantis. Really? So well, like, I think I think he's representing Sweden. Oh yeah, yes, which is lame. Come okay, on, Mondo. That, so that's another LSU guy for you, but he's representing Sweden. Sweden, yeah. He, he's going to qualify. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's greatest <laughs> he's, pole vaulter in NCAA history. I'm yeah, pretty sure he'll uh, he'll be fine. He'll probably win gold. I don't, I don't know how much competition there is in Paul Volting in Sweden, though. You never know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they're crazy about it there. Um, all right, we got a couple more here. The track stars, you got Shikari Richardson, who will be representing the U.S. in the 100 meters. She won with a time of 10.86 seconds uh, with a slight headwind, so it slowed her down a bit. Um, if I'm not mistaken, LSU had a couple semifinalists with her own as well that just didn't quite make it. And uh, thirdly, we have Michael Cherry, who will be representing the U.S. in the 400 meters. So um, I don't know how many times we have to say this. LSU's track school. Yeah, we're track school. sure. Basketball, football, baseball, no. no. Track. Track. Gymnastics, no, track. No, track. It's 100. We are a track school. Mondo Duplantis, you know? Yeah, no, we're good. We're uh, Lolo Jones. Remember yep. her? Yeah, she ran to LSU. Yeah, no, we have the, we're one of the best track schools in the country. Oh, and yeah. I mean, it's a shame their facilities aren't top-notch like they really should be. No, I agree. Like Oregon's. Oregon's is insane. Oregon spends more money on track than they do football, probably. That's the problem. We spend. <laughs> they get all that spend, Nike money. Yeah, that's true, too. That Nike money will pay for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We, get, we get that Zatarans money. And, yeah. yeah it's Popeyes. <laughs> that's all we get. <laughs> um, and finally, we have Brooks Curry, who will be representing the U.S. Olympics uh, swimming team. He will be the first American LSU swimmer to qualify for the U.S. team ever. Um, you know, if we have a guy like this, who I believe is only a sophomore, he just did his sophomore season. I think he'll be a junior next year. You know, being so good, he goes to the Olympics. Why are we so bad at swimming here? We just, nobody gives it attention. I feel like we don't really, you know. But how did we lure this dude here? I don't know. He probably just got better. I don't. I don't know how Maybe. that works. He was from, I think, Georgia. Oh, so like I don't know how we got him. Maybe we're building up the swimming program. I don't know. I'd be down for that. That notorium is awful. Make it. Make it nice. You got to win. You got to win to make things nice. That's true. That's true. I, the location for it's terrible too. Yeah, everybody knows it because that's why, like, where people tailgate. That's like the. It's way. where people tailgate. It's where the uh, Quidditch team used to practice. Remember <laughs> that? Um, by the tennis courts, that used to be like the the public tennis courts. You could, that's where I took a tennis class. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's um, like that's how like that's like the whole like it's basically a landmark for tailgating. You're like, oh, we're tailgating by the natatorium, so you just yeah. walk to the natatorium. And you're like, oh, there they that's are. That's literally what you call, like <laughs> yeah. by the natatorium. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're the natatorium. <laughs> you don't say by the tennis courts by the what's what's the field house called? Is uh, it the Huey P. Long? Yeah, it's the Huey P. Long. Like field house. Nope, you don't say that. That's where I graduated. Yeah, um, yeah. They, we're not cool enough to be in the PMAC. Apparently, there's not enough of us. There's like there's, we graduated with like three people. I want the PMAC. Darn it! Come on, I want to <laughs> be in the PMAC. I'm actually, you know what? I want to be in Tiger Stadium. Okay. That'd be better. All right. Um, I, that's all I got on the Olympics. Anything else you want to say before? Nah, man, I'm good. I'm so hyped about it. So excited. going to be fun. I like the Olympics. They're fun. I'm a total couch potato for a couple of weeks when the Olympics are on. 
I just watch it nonstop. They're good. They're they're genuinely fun to watch. It gives yeah. you a sense of nationalism. You love your country. So it's, the, it it's like it's the only time where everyone in America <laughs> is just united because they're like we just want to stomp the British and the, oh, the yeah. French and you know China get and just beat them. Yeah, call well, it a day. It's fun. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that'll do it for today. Uh, for Tyler Viso, for Nathan Long, for our producer David Robbins, this has been the Hodges Huddle. Go Tigers.